We've been doing a series, um, kind of a mini-series the last few weeks on this concept of life groups. Uh, if you're new to this church, maybe you're visiting, but uh, we kind of gather week, um, midweek in small groups, and we call those life groups. I wanted to start by kind of just stepping back and kind of doing two things. Firstly, just to remind us, why are we doing this series? I always feel it's a real important thing to do. And then, like I said, we've been doing a couple of talks already um, by Nigel, one of the senior pastors, and kind of just summarizing those before I do my talk that kind of hopefully will encapsulate it and kind of round it all up. And um, if, if you've um, been around church for the last kind of few months, my apologies if you haven't, you can catch up on, online. We kind of did a, a series on the, the kingdom of God. We spent a good seven maybe eight weeks, just looking at this concept of the kingdom of God. We said it was kind of foundational. This idea of the kingdom of God, the reign of God, and the outworking of that reign on earth is a kind of theme that's been there right from the beginning of the Bible. If you open the, kind of the first kind of chapter, there's a book called Genesis, and it just talks about the reality of the kingdom of God on earth physically in a place called the Garden of Eden. And then if you kind of go right to the back of the Bible and you look at the last kind of book of the Bible, book of Revelation, it talks about kind of the, the fulfillment and outworking when the kingdom of God is on earth as it should be. And it talks about a new heaven and a new earth. And so we said this was a theme that went through the Bible. We talked about the, the life of um, Jesus. And Jesus, this was pretty much all that he talked about in his teaching, and particularly in his, in his parables. He often gave these kind of stories and illustrations, and he said, this is me trying to explain what the kingdom of God is about, what the kingdom of God looks like. And not only did he declare, but also he sought to kind of demonstrate the reality of the reign and rule of Christ in the kind of the miracles and the healings that uh, he did. And so we kind of talked about that kind of theme, and we said that it's just really crucial. I was looking through my kind of old notes, and uh, there's one slide in particular that stood out to me, uh, which was the kind of kingdom of God is foundational, but is also very practical. And this guy called Derek Murphy, who's a theologian, kind of said, kingdom theology, this, that's kind of the discussion about this issue of the kingdom of God, is the core that forms the basis of this kind of tradition, the renewal of the ministry of the Spirit, the ministry of healing, the priesthood of every believer, church planting and evangelism, ministry to the poor, are all outworkings of kingdom theology and why it's important to us as a, a church to speak about it. And we also talked about this idea when we we're doing this series that as followers of Jesus, we are also invited to declare and demonstrate the reality of the kingdom of God, to see his rule increasingly break forth in our own lives, to increasingly see some of the dimensions of the kingdom of God in our lives, which is kind of transformation, hope, joy, and peace, and then through our lives into our communities so that they are also changed. And there's a well-known verse, I actually didn't do the slide for it, but it's at the end of a book called Matthew, and it's Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20. And it says this, Jesus was speaking to his followers, and he said, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, 
and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And so he can, as, as people that say that we are followers of Jesus, he's saying you should go and kind of go and make disciples, go and make people who are followers of Christ, go and make what we sometimes call in our church apprentices of Jesus and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And what did he do? He declared and he demonstrated the reality of the kingdom of God. So that's going to really quick. I mean, it's like eight talks just summarizing about me five minutes. Um, this kind of concept and teaching that we did on the kingdom of God. Now, we had some really great feedback from that um, series, not that we did it for that reason. However, we don't want to just teach on this concept, on this thing that kind of theology, the study of the kingdom of God. We want to outwork it. We want to live it. And so this is partly why we did a couple of things. Firstly, one of the things that we, we did this week, part of our kind of response to this uh, teaching that we did kind of last term was, firstly, we had a, a week of prayer. And again, if you're visiting, my apologies, and it's kind of like maybe family conversation, but we had a week set apart where we're just praying. And the reason we're praying is really just an outworking of this. We talked about the kingdom of God. God, we want to see more of that break forth in our lives. We want to see that coming forth more in the communities, the people that we interact with. We want to see this more happening um, across our world. We don't want to just talk about it and theorize about it. We want to live it. You know, we want to cry out, God, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, like you taught us and to pray and we're going to be carrying on doing that every term we're going to have a week of prayer the next one's going to be uh, in January and any other month in between on the third uh, Monday of the month if I was really organized I could tell you when the next one is but anyhow third Monday of October uh, we're going to be having opportunities to gather at 6.30 and 12.30 on Zoom and then the evening at 8 o'clock uh, in person in the building why? Because we want to see this happen, not just theory. Secondly, we're teaching, the other kind of outworking response to kind of this teaching on the kingdom of God is teaching about kind of life groups. You see, because the kingdom of God outworking itself, if we look in scripture, how did they begin uh, to outwork it? What did it look like? And if you want to look at it, there's a book in the Bible called Acts, which really is just the story of the early church after Jesus. They hear this command to go and proclaim and, and make disciples. Well, what did it look like for them? Well, it looked like many different things, but the kind of the culture, the kind of uh, environment that it growed in, uh, Nigel kind of talked about in his first talk, and it was just small groups or households that was taught there. So here's one example from Acts 16, verses 31 to 34. And uh, this is kind of Cornelius, and a, a, a guy called Cornelius. And it says, they replied, um, Paul and Silas, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed the wounds. Then immediately he and his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and this whole household. So you get this idea of kind of houses. Here's just a, a couple more verses from different books um, in the New Testament of the early church. 
The churches in the province of Asia send you the greetings. Aquila and Priscilla, they're just a couple that lived around in that period of time. Greatly warm you in the Lord. And so does the church that meets at their house. I should do what Nigel, those have been around the last few weeks. Nigel's kind of got you to kind of yell things out. Maybe we should do that. Uh, greetings, my, give my greetings to the brothers and sisters of Laodicea and to Nifra and the church in her. Yeah, I've got that. To fear our sister and Acubus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your. Yeah, brilliant. I might get more than that. But you can see here that this idea that the crucial thing is that they are worked in their house. Now, I just stressed this very clearly in his first talk, and again, I'm just summarizing it quickly, and if you want more, uh, you can listen to it. But in his first talk, using these verses, he emphasized that what actually we sometimes call the church, sometimes we come here on a Sunday and we say we're coming to church. Or sometimes we talk about this building as a church. And in some ways, it's kind of the gathering of believers uh, in Jesus. But certainly when you look at kind of scripture, kind of the outworking of the values and the principles of what one should find in the church was very much happening in small groups and in homes. And, um, and so that's kind of what the why we stressed. And it was also in this place of gathering that God added to the number. Often when you read about some of these stories in the Bible, this is a meeting in this location, and God added to their number. So as Winchester Vineyard is part of a kind of group of association of other churches that are called Vineyard, I kind of really want to teach about this because this is kind of very foundational and core to who we are and to our desire to not just talk about the kingdom of God, but to see it at work. If you kind of joined particularly the church more uh, recently, um, we should be having another one coming up soon, where we have something called a welcome meal. And it's an opportunity to meet Nigel and Joe and some of the other staff. And uh, Nigel and Joe, when they do the teaching, one of the things they say is we have no kind of official membership. We don't have like a document if you're going to join this church that you have to uh, sign. What we say to people is, feel free, and if you're here kind of new, and maybe you've just been coming the last few weeks, and you're new, and you say, you are most welcome. And what we say to people is, be a guest here as long as you want. But at some point, if you decide that this is going to be the place where you want to kind of stay and grow and develop, shift from being a guest to being a host to becoming a, what we'd call a functional member of this church. And if you ever hear Nigel and Jerry this talk, they do a few things. They say, come along here on a, on a Sunday, gather with the wider communities of believers here. Uh, give. You know, just like we talked about in the notices, if this is kind of where you call home, then give. Secondly, we ask you to kind of get involved. And I'm not going to go into details as we have talks about that, but just kind of doing uh, a service on the Sunday, doing all the kids' work, you know, the, the worship band, the teas and coffees you got, that we just drank when we came in, that involves people saying, you know, I want to commit uh, to this church. But the last one, which we don't often talk about so much, is get involved in a life group. If you're saying that this is where your home is, Get yourself involved in a life group. And then be inviting people 
to it. And so I'd really encourage you, particularly if you think to yourself, yeah, Winston Vineyard is my, my kind of church. This is where I am. Begin to think about where can you go and be part of a life group. It's already been mentioned in notices. There's some information that you can find online. You can go to the back of church. You can actually come and speak to me. I know pretty much every group that's running um, this term. How can you get involved in one of those? And, uh, and if you look at some of those groups and they may be, uh, may be more difficult because of your kind of location or your situation, maybe again come and speak to me and see if creatively we can think of a way where we can create a space where you can meet with other people. So some of those values that Nigel and Joe have been speaking about, and I will mention again and I will speak a little bit more, you have that opportunity because in that place you will grow and you will thrive. So what's so important about this kind of life group, apart from theologically, I say it's one of the most obvious and easiest ways to outwork uh, this teaching. Well, there's just kind of lots of different reasons. I kind of, um, I was going to bring a big piece of paper, but one of the things I do every term is I do some training for those people who feel like they want to kind of help lead a life group or be part of what we call a core in the life group, which is just help people run a life group. And one of the questions I often ask is, get into groups and say, what are some of the, the values, the benefits of life groups? And then they kind of create this big list. And if I'd kind of been organized and not slightly rushed this morning, I would have just kind of brought it out and kind of unfolded it. And there's just numerous kind of, normally when people do this, you get 15, 20 different reasons why life groups are important. So you're going to miss out on that. Maybe I'll stick it on social media later this, this week. But speaking more personally for me, kind of being involved in a, a small group has kind of been kind of transformational on multiple levels. That's the place where I have changed the most. It's the place where people have spoken into my, my life. I've been going to small groups for a number of years. I won't give my age away. But people have just spoken into my life and helped me grow and develop. It's a kind of place where maybe they've seen certain aspects of, uh, of gifting. So here I am speaking. Well, where did I first start to speak? It was in a small group. Where did I first begin to run small groups? When I was younger and people said, why don't you try something? Why don't you tonight just kind of, kind of host this small group? Why don't you just kind of pray for this person? It was in that area before, you know, at the end of the, t today, we're going to have a time of ministry and praying for people. And I might well end up praying for people. Did I start there? No, it started in a small group where there were seven, eight of us. And somebody said, I have this need. And somebody said, Paul, can you pray for them? And I'm like, how do you pray for them? I mean, and they just got modeled to me. It was a place where, particularly as a, uh, a student, when I started going to some of these small groups, they kind of highlighted in the kindest way some of the ways I could do with growing. Uh, I used to be in a, a, one of the groups I was in was, a, was an all-men's group. And we had this kind of maxim, this kind of saying, maximum love, maximum confrontation. And so they would kind of really ask those tough questions. You know, how was I doing in my life? Kind of what was my eyes looking at? How was I speaking to people when I wasn't in the kind of environment surrounded by other people? You know, they wouldn't let you get away with anything. But at the same time, there was maximum love. 
Maximin kind of gain around you. Maximin, Paul, we appreciate you for who you are at this point in time, but we want to see you become all that God has for you. And some of those guys are still some of my, my best friends uh, nearly 30 years later because there was that depth of encouragement, the depth of challenge, the depth of accountability. This is what it is, it's like. Maybe think of it a bit like a greenhouse environment where you really grow and thrive, and therefore when you're out in the real world, you can survive and bear fruit. So these are some of the things that it's about. And so life groups are, are crucial for that. Like I said, one of the things we talk about is, in this church, we talk about apprentices becoming like disciples like Jesus. And we have this kind of phrase where to be a disciple, to be an apprentice, to do with being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, doing the works of Jesus. Being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, doing the works of Jesus. And the best place that that can happen is in a small group. And one of the things that we often talk about when it comes to life groups, and, uh, and it's a real value uh, in the vineyard, you see this, we talk about a vineyard person, vineyard man, a vineyard woman. And they talk about some of the different values in the vineyard. And like you see there, we talked about the kingdom of God and we talked about the word of God. And I'm not going to talk about everything else, but I'm going to focus in on the bit right on his back where it talks about being a home, being a hospital, being a school and being an army. And this is what small groups are about. It's a place where the phrase is a school is where we, we learn, we study. We learn to apply the Bible. You maybe come here on a Sunday and you hear somebody speak and... But it's really in a small group when somebody goes, hey, Paul, what was your takeaway from that talk? Paul, what does it look like for you to put that into practice? Is that a place where I say, well, this is what it looks like in practice. And then the next week, uh, the life group leader says, well, Paul, how did that outwork itself? See, that's where kind of schooling and growth happens. It's kind of like homes. And as they say, communities where, and I'll touch on this a little bit in a minute, just kind of, you can just be, real and share where you're at. It's a place, we use this phrase, an army, because uh, as people of God, we are invited to see this kingdom of God extend, to see the rule of God extend in the lives of those around us. And a small group is a great place to do it. Either you do it corporately as a group and say, you know, we're going to go around our neighborhood and we're going to pray for this area. It might be, you know, we're called to share the good news with people. And so the small group is the place where you can practice on each other. And then you can just go out and try something the following week. I know when we were talking about the kingdom of God, one of the, one of the particular talks we did, we talked about this idea of kind of praying for the sick. And we use this phrase, try, that God's inviting us to try to step out. Small groups are a great place to do that because you can say, hey, how did you try this week? How did it go? Well, it went quite well. You know, I prayed for this person, this happened. Or you could go, you know, I... I I stepped out and the person said, no, thank you. But it's a place where you can have those conversations where we can outwork army. But we're also a place where we are a, a kind of a hospital. And, uh, and this is what Nigel began to talk about last week, and this is where I start, believe it or not. <laughs> I actually got loads of time today, but I don't need it all. Uh, which is care. This idea of caring for each other. And if you look, um, particularly through the Bible and the New Testament, there are loads of verses on different dimensions of care. Here's a few. Yeah, you can just about see them. They're quite small. 
Philippians 2, verse 4, let each of you not look up to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Some of these things apply outside the church, but there's also this idea within your kind of uh, small, you know, in a small group. Let's not become weary of doing good, for in the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. So therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are the household of faith. And, uh, and that can be many different things. One of the maybe practical ways I've been aware of it is um, uh, I shared before uh, my father-in-law, Katie's dad, died about a month ago. And, uh, and she's involved in a, a small group. I'm still getting meals now. I'm like, okay. uh, I mean, I don't know how many meals that we, we got, but that was just part of that kind of outworking good in those situations and cars and flowers. It can be in a whole load of different things. And there's a whole kind of chapter in Matthew 25. I just picked one verse um, where Jesus kind of described himself as the king says, Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these brothers, you did for me. This is a place where you can begin to outwork uh, some of that. So I'm not going to go through all these. These slides will come up. But it's a place where we can begin to outwork kind of practical physical care. This idea of getting... Um, connected with people. But the two verses I particularly want to just refer to are this, these. Firstly, Galatians 6, uh, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And uh, the reason I got a picture of um, tomatoes, I have to borrow it because it doesn't work with mine, is you'll see that tomato plants, it's one of these plants, a bit like runner beans, there's probably some other ones, but Particularly both those plants, if you want to see them thrive, you've got to put like a stalk next to them, a stick next to them to help them grow. Because if not, they're not going to go up. They're not going to bear fruit. And the reason I say that, that is the root meaning in Greek behind the word bear one another's burdens. It's like, in some ways, you've got to bear it. It's on you. It's on the tomato plant. But because of me kind of stalking my staff to you, saying, I'm going to stand next to you. I'm going to be with you in this situation that you are going to be okay. Does that make sense? And this best happens uh, in a small group. Yes, we have an opportunity and we'll have ministry later on. And so we always say, if you've got something that you particularly need prayer for, come down here and we will stand next to you. In some ways we could say we're using that Greek word to bear with one another. And so we will pray for you. We will stand with you. But it's in a small group that you get that week in, week out, being with one another. And then 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 1, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. And kind of the, the, kind of the word there to kind of encourage means to strengthen, to prevail, to harden, to make strong, to become strong to give courage, to make firm, um, to infuse strength, to repair, to hold up. Wow, there's a lot of meaning in just one word. And, um, but that's what it, you know, a small group's about. I mean, I don't know about who wants to be made strong. Yeah, I can see a few hands there. Uh, who wants to be, kind of be more firm? I don't know about you, but sometimes certain situations, are just, they shake me, if I'm honest. I think I'm doing all right, and something comes along into my life, and I kind of feel like, whoa, I feel a bit vulnerable. I mean, I love the idea of infusing strength. 
love it. And I was just thinking about tea bags. The longer you leave the tea bag in the water, the more infused it becomes, whatever. Maybe the longer we're in life groups and in God's presence, strength is infused into us. It hardens us, it gives us courage. He wants more courage. Yeah. I certainly do. And again, this is, you know, this is real kind of practical stuff, not just in the sense of caring, but even some of this stuff. I, I said that in that sense of encouraging each other, go and try something, go and step out. You know, oh, you've always wanted to write a book. Well, go for it. You've always wanted to learn to play an instrument. Go for it. I mean, this is real practical. Sometimes we feel like following Jesus is just to do with um, following Jesus and outworking the following Jesus should affect every area of our lives. It's not just about reading the Bible and praying, however important that is. It's every aspect of our lives, holistic, and we can get that uh, in a small, small group. It's the best place that we can do that. And that's why we, we, we've phrased it. Bottom line is we need each other. There's a passage in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 11 where Paul the author kind of describes the church as a body. And says that, you know, we are all important. We're all needed. And we, the illustration is always given. It's a good illustration is you might have a part of your body and you think, well, it's quite small and insignificant. You just wait till you stub your toe. Oh. And um, I still don't know what I did to my little finger here. I was playing rugby and it did sink to it. And um, particularly in the morning, it's just sore. I'm just really aware of it. It kind of just niggles me, but it's only a small part. I can actually pick up quite a lot without my little finger. But it's important. We need each other. And the best place to outwork that body, even though we often talk about it in a big corporate setting, saying we are the body of Christ, and we are, is when we think of it on a kind of smaller level. These small groups, this is the body of Christ. We need that group and they need us. And that goes back to what Andy said, you know, the importance that even when maybe you feel like you're sharing on a, on a Wednesday and you don't feel like it, maybe it's coming up to winter in particular, there's that kind of commitment. I want to go to this life group because I need what that life group adds and brings to me. But you know what? That group also needs you. And that's why it's important for you to go to because only you can be you. Only you bring that dimension of that body of Christ that nobody else can brings. And that's why it is important. This is where it really hits the ground, where it becomes really practical. And like I say, some of these things we can do on a Sunday. There's no denying that we can do some of these things on a Sunday. But having that, um, I feel it's more it's maximized in a small group. And so again, going back to what's so important about life groups. First, I really believe that true care and transformation can happen there. I mean, all of these begin to kind of flow into each other. Why? Because I feel like only really in a small group can you create the kind of environment and culture. And culture means the way you do things around here. Where you can really be um, honest, where you can really be vulnerable. It's the place, often when I run uh, small groups, one of the things I say, you know, in the, we try to create a culture. It's like what is said in this group stays in this group. Unless you decide to do it. I mean, decide to share somewhere else. 
You see, you can come up the front here and kind of just share, but you might not know the person. But in a kind of small group, when you begin to develop relationships, where you're beginning just to share who you truly are, it gives you the place to be accepted, to be loved, to be vulnerable, to be real. And then you can be played, you know, you can be transformed. You see, God meets us where we truly are. He meets us where you truly are. You see, we might like to feel like we're here or this is where we used to be, but he will meet us where we really are. And so the place where you can really be met where you really are is in a small group because that's where you can be the most real, where you can be the most vulnerable. See, God always meets us in that place. And in the small group, we can create that environment where you can do that. It's always a great place where as you're real and you begin to talk things out, sometimes you really begin to realize that you're, you're living from a place of where you're living from what I would call a place of lies. Lies about maybe yourself, maybe lies about your uh, situation, maybe lies about God. And in that place where there is reality and honesty, people can come along and go, Paul, I want to just remind you, maybe let me give you a verse. Let's just have a time of worship. Lift up your head again. Let's get your focus on God again. It's not denying that these things are happening in your life, but it's been beginning to bring a greater reality uh, into your situation. It's a place, as I said there, where these lies can be exposed in exchange for life-giving truth. Life-giving truth. It's the place where our true identities, callings, and worth can be called out. I don't know about you, but it's so easy to get our identities and our value from maybe from what we do. Maybe a job, it might be a role. Your mum, a dad, your carer, you know, the list goes on. Maybe you get said you're retired or you're working or you're unemployed. These are all things that people do, but that's not where we truly get our identity from. Our identity is that we are sons and daughters, but we sometimes need to be reminded of that truth. Because we will live from that truth. And again, we're going to hopefully have a little bit of opportunity. As I was thinking about ministry this morning, I felt that God wanted to remind us again, some of us, who we really are. Who we really are. Remove some of those labels that maybe people have put on us. Maybe remove some of the labels that we have put on ourselves. And remove some of the, the guilt, the shame, a whole load of different things and say, God, we want to step into who we are. And I, one of the best things that we can do is being in a small group. One of the things that came to me this week was that one of the roles of leaders is to call out the identity and worth of those in our group. So if you lead a group, there's something to step into, encourage us to do. One of my roles, thinking about my role working for the, the church is like, wow, I've got to do that a bit more. So we need to do that. Lastly, it's the best place for ongoing care for people as they go through crises. And, um, and one of the things, that, as we were doing this talk, Nigel wanted us to do is just again remind us as a church the abundance of resources and people that we have uh, in this church. And there's a couple, and Claire and Mervyn, who happen to be away because they're just celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. And they run something called Streams of Hope. I'd encourage you to look it up and um, 
the role of that, if you ever go to see them, you've got something happening in your life and you think, I need help. Maybe you've got certain patterns in your life that you feel like you can't see broken. Maybe there's issues happening uh, in your, your marriage. Um, maybe you feel like some imports and counselling. If you go and see them, they would kind of best advise you. Either they can do it or they'll point you to people in this church. There's a whole array of people in this church who are incredibly gifted um, in listening well, asking good questions, and journeying uh, with you. There's also, um, I don't have time to ask him actually, but um, David Hartley, in the sense of if you, <laughs> it's looking away now, uh, and I think Edward Law, did I see Edward here? Yeah, I think uh, I still think I had no time to contact them. But if you have kind of issues, kind of financial, and you need help just figuring things out, they have a wealth of um, experience and knowledge that can begin to help you get a grip, maybe on issues of debt. If you kind of come here and um, just you need help um, and sense of kind of clothing and food, we have a great compassion. And I've definitely seen Stephen Martin around, but I can't see where he's at the moment there. You know, that'd be a great person just to speak to. We have all these different things, and what I'm stressing is we've got all these kind of maybe umbrella individuals with great expertise and knowledge. Uh, and I'm incredibly thankful for them because I've pointed people in their direction many times. But the kind of overall, they will kind of help you, and they're there. But even with all of that, the blessed place to kind of root that out, to outwork that help, is in a small group. You know, these are kind of like the emergency experts, people. But as you begin to outwork, maybe, you know, they go and see David and they get some advice on dealing with just financial situations. But one of the best places to begin to outwork that is in a small group, as somebody journeys along with you week by week and trying to help you outwork that. Maybe you go and see Mervyn and Claire and they give you some great advice how to deal with uh, one of the things very much in my mind at the moment is just grief uh, and helping them just work it through in, in, in small groups. You know, Claire's been very helpful, giving me some insights and um, input. But I know it's going to be in a small group that kind of, the, to use that phrase, the rubber hits the road, are just kind of working it through. How are you doing this week? Actually, I'm doing quite well this week. No, actually, this week was just, uh, I'm aware of it in a couple of weeks' time, it would be his birthday. It would be the first birthday without him. And me journeying with that and my family, the kids loved him uh, for that kind of, it was one of the ones that kind of gave away presents on his birthday, uh, rather than the way around. Uh, and they're going to find that difficult, but it's going to be in the small group that they will kind of get alongside and support us. And so hopefully, if you haven't got it yet, I mean, there's been the theme coming through. Life groups are important in so many different ways. This is a place where you can really get ongoing care. It's a place where you can really be yourself. It's a place where you can begin to share some of the things that God has been speaking to you, dreams, visions, and you've got the people that say, go for it. What's it looking like? It's a place that you're really going to grow and blossom. So hopefully not just from today's talk, but from Nigel's talks over the last few weeks. Hopefully you'll be motivated and going, yeah, I want to get involved in a, in a life group. I want to work out how I can maybe make a life group work for me.
So they kind of come into land. It's not one of those we were talking um, earlier on. These kind of free talks and life groups um, are some of the hardest for these guys to follow on from hosting. Because it's like, where do you go from here? Well, I just want to create some uh, space. We've got, actually got loads of time. Um, let's just maybe just stand. If, you can, if you're able to stand, why don't you stand? And I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come, and we're going to see what he wants to do.